we went back in the room. They unplugged all of the equipment that was medical life support, I guess, that was attached to her. And BJ held Callie. And I don't know at that point if BJ had ever held a baby. So he held her and I held, you know, and then Tim kind of, well, we all kind of all three just held each other and held her. And we sang. And she lived a few minutes after that. So it was totally unexpected. And in a matter of moments, we went from everything's going to be okay to everything's not going to be okay. There are no words, not in English, Spanish, Arabic, or Hebrew, that have been invented to explain what it's like to lose a child. The nightmarish heartache of it, the unexplainable trepidation that follows. No mother loses a child without believing she failed as a parent. No father loses a child without believing he failed to protect his family from pain. The child may be gone, but the years the child were meant to live remain behind. Solid in mind like an aging ghost. The birthdays, the holidays, the last days of school, they all remain. Circled in red and lipstick on a calendar, nailed to the wall. A constant shadow that grows, even in the dark. As I was saying, there are no words. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Those words came from a father, a grieving father, who has lost a child. I have never experienced that, but our guests today have, and they have walked that journey. You may be a mother, a father, a grandparent, a brother, a sister, and you're grieving the loss of a child. Our guests have walked down that dark hall of losing children. They have felt the pain and are still working through their grief and finding a piece of comfort, maybe a little piece of comfort, by sharing their stories with you. And that's what we want to do today. And it's really all about this conference coming to High Point Church on October 26th called Made Known. Everybody in here is my good friend, so I'm just going to say that on the front end. I've got Whitney Clay. Whitney is the director of Connect and Equip at High Point Church. And Clay, they happen to be related, and is director of High Point Kids. What an incredible opportunity there. And I've got Courtney May, East Memphis nursery director, and I've got Drew McCullough, student director at the East Memphis campus. All of them have experienced child loss. A conference, as I mentioned just a second ago, October 26, called Made Known. Whitney, you told me about this conference, and you really felt like our listeners need to be aware of it because you have walked the journey of your precious little girl losing her, and that's something that you continually walk through. It's a journey that Christ has to kind of pick you up at times, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know we talked last time and mentioned Made Known, so thanks for having us back on to be able to share it with your listeners. And, you know, we're just really humbled to be able to offer it at High Point because, like you said, it's a journey. So no matter when the loss happened, if it was weeks ago or years ago, you still feel that pain and you still feel that emptiness. And so this is really a place, a safe place for families that have experienced loss to come and to gather together and to know that they're not alone okay. in their grief and in their journey. Let's just kind of give a little bit of your story, you and your husband, BJ, what you walked through with the loss of your child. Yes. So we um, lost our daughter, Callie. Um, we carried her full term and we knew that she was going to have to have surgery right after she was born. And she had that surgery and shortly after developed some complications um, with breathing and different things and passed away 15 hours after she was born. You and, and your husband, BJ, BJ's mom is here, Ann Clay. Ann is a grandparent. 
you were there. I mean, Callie would have been your and BJ's first child. Is that right? That's right. That would have been your first grandchild? Yeah, Callie was our first grandchild. Callie was your first Mm -hmm. grandchild. Walk us through that moment for you. Anticipation. I mean, just knowing your granddaughter, your first child is going to be here. You're excited about that. And I know that there was some news prior to her birth that there might be some complications. Well, of course, when B.J. and Whitney told us that they were expecting, we were thrilled. It was to be our first grandchild. And we were actually on a mission trip in Guatemala when we got the call that she was going to be a girl. And I can remember the names and Callie and I share the same middle name. That was a surprise. And there were just so many exciting things. Every time Whitney went to the doctor, we got a report. Uh, We were helping her with the nursery and just all of the things that you do as a grandparent. And we were there when Callie was born. And then actually Tim and I went with BJ to La Bonner because Whitney's parents stayed with her. They were at two different hospitals. Yeah, Callie had to be rushed to like an emergency surgery mm-hmm. to Labonna, right? Mm-hmm. And so you took BJ in the car there. Well, we had a plan because we knew we were prepared for right. this. We were prepared as much as we could be. We were prepared for the birth. We were prepared for the surgery. We weren't prepared for what happened. BJ actually rode in the ambulance, and Tim and I came Um, Down And I remember sitting, we actually got there before the um, ambulance arrived, which later was one of the blessings and everything, because the reason it was delayed was because a nurse decided that they were not going to take Callie until Whitney at least got to see her. And so while we were impatiently waiting, wondering what was happening later, we found out was just a really neat thing that they delayed everything for Whitney to be able to be taken down and yes. think the nurse broke every rule to do <laughs> yeah. it, but it was a great thing. <laughs> Whitney, we talked about that yeah. story when you were here last time, and it was almost like an angel. You, you yeah. felt like gave you that experience, but you got to hold Callie. No, I, I didn't get to hold her, to but I got her, to touch her, touch her, I'm touch sorry, her head and her t- face yes. and just pray with her yes. before she left. Yeah. And then you were there with BJ. So they brought Callie into the NICU, and we were able to um, be with her in the room with her until they took her for surgery. So we were able to take pictures and send pictures to Whitney. um, And we thought that those would be the first pictures, many pictures. And they were actually the only pictures that we had. I'm so glad that we were able to do that. We got a, a really sweet picture of BJ. Of course, she was all attached to all of the medical equipment, you know, so, um, so we couldn't hold her, yeah. but um, but yes, we were able to take pictures. They took her down for surgery, and then we it was a constant back and forth. How's Whitney doing? How's Callie doing? And we were down at Labonte. Some good friends came and sat with us until late into the evening, waiting and waiting and waiting and deciding how much do we tell Whitney? Do we you know we don't want to upset her? We really didn't know what was going on. And they brought her back to the room and told us that she'd had some complications and that she was going to be there a lot longer than than we originally expected. And we had all slipped out to to change. And my husband was going to leave and go home and take care of our younger daughter. And he decided to stay. And it was as we were walking back in the room that they pulled BJ aside and us and explained that there really wasn't anything else they could do. She wasn't going to make it. And that the best thing we could do was to take her off of all the equipment and let BJ hold her. 
And of course, we know we have to go get Whitney. We need to get Whitney here. And they said there wasn't time that that couldn't happen. And it was just a blur. I remember the doctor telling BJ, we're not asking you to make a decision. God's already made that decision's already made. We just want to do everything we can to make her last few minutes the best they could be. So they we went back in the room. They unplugged all of the equipment that was medical life support, I guess, that was attached to her. And BJ held Callie. And I don't know at that point if BJ had ever held a baby. So he held her and I held, you know, and then Tim kind of, well, we kind of all three just held each other and held her. And we sang and she lived a few minutes after that. So it was totally unexpected. And in a matter of moments, we went from everything's going to be okay to everything's not going to be okay. Oh, my. Thinking about walking through that, I, I just can't imagine. You had a great support group, I know, around you. But still, you walked through a, a very deep valley. Courtney, you lost your child was a little bit older, I believe. Is that right? I did. He was one years old. Tell us your story. It was one morning. Me and my husband lived out of town, so we had come in town to spend the weekend with my parents. And um, my parents decided to let me and my husband sleep in and take him for a walk. His name was Jackson. And on their walk, a tree fell and landed on his head. And he was rushed to the hospital, and that's when they told us he was brain dead. And so at the hospital, I've, of course, I, the whole family was there. Of course, I was asking the nurses, surely you've seen this and kids make it because kids are resilient and, you know, I was holding on to any hope that he would just come through this and be fine. Um, But that's not what happened. Um, So we stayed there for a little while. They did all the testing to make sure it was 100% that he was brain dead. And we decided to donate his organs. And so he saved potentially three lives, a 64-year-old man, a one-year-old little girl, and a I think a two-year-old little boy. And was this your first? My first. And yes. How long ago did this take place? This was in August of 2011. So, in that experience, uh, did you feel like God had forsaken you? Did you feel like you lost hope, or? Yes, I was very mad, but I knew that the only way that I would ever see him again is to bury myself in with God and to read my Bible and to get connected and. Um, some good came out of it. My dad was not a 100% believer, and he is now. And so good has come from this. Through the pain. Oh, yes. my goodness. Uh, also, Drew McCullough is with us. We've been longtime friends. One time was a Sunday school teacher at Bellevue. Drew was in my class. I'm just so thankful of how God has worked in Drew and his wife Brittany's life, calling him into the ministry of the corporate world. And what an incredible job he's doing with young people at High Point Church. But you were with me recently, and we were talking just about other things. I still want to have an opportunity where you and Brittany come back and yes. tell your story together. She would hate being on radio, but yes, yeah. we, we will do that. <laughs> no. But you're going to talk about another aspect of losing a child, infertility. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been walking through this journey. Describe what it's like. Describe where you guys have been in this process. Yeah. So Brittany and I got married in 2013. We, you know, we wanted to grow closer to each other before we started having trying to have kids. And after year or two, we we said, okay, well, let's 
let's start trying to have kids. And so, you know, you do what you do and you try to have kids and, um, nothing was happening. And Brittany started to kind of say, Hey, um, at what point can we go to like a, a fertility doctor? So we, uh, we gave it a few months. We gave like a little, Hey, by this date, if we don't have any word, like let's, let's go to the doctor. Um, so we went to the doctor and, uh, they tell us, they, you know, do all these tests and everything, and they basically tell us, Drew, you're great. Brittany, you're great too. We have no idea what's wrong with you, but we can't have kids for some reason. And so we walk through that. Brittany, especially, just seeing her walk through it, I think, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how is this for you? And I'm like, the, the worst part for me is watching her. And watching her pain and, um, you know, I feel it, I've, I've said before of how as a man, you just kind of want to like do something to fix it. Right. Um, yeah. and there's nothing I can do to fix it. And we started walking down this, this journey of, okay, what does it look like for us to be parents? And, um, we tried, uh, an IU two three IUIs now, but we tried two IUIs, um, and neither one worked. So we didn't want to go the IVF route. Um, instead, Brittany never heard of this before, but she heard of this embryo adoption thing, um, which is somewhat like IVF, except it won't have any of me and Brittany's DNA. They would take, um, some embryos from someone else's IVF that they're not using, um, and give them to us and we adopt them. And so, um, we started walking down this path and, uh, we got up to the point of, uh, I forget what the, what the stage was, but they were doing a, um, a, uh, what's, what's the word ultrasound, <laughs> an ultrasound on Brittany. And they were going to, I think it was the day that they were supposed to implant, um, the embryos within that day, within that week. Um, we had it in our calendars and we go in for that ultrasound and, uh, doctor stops. And then he tells, you know, Hey, let's clean up. I'll be back in in a minute. And he comes in and tells us that, um, there's like a polyp in Brittany's, um, uterus. And it wasn't there a year before when we had a uh, ultrasound. So then she has to have surgery that we weren't expecting. And so she goes in for the surgery and comes out and the doctor says, we got the polyp. Um, but I found significant endometriosis scarring. Um, and I was like, okay, I have no idea what that means. So he explains it to me and says basically like, hey, uh, I think we need to hit pause on this embryo adoption thing um, because honestly, her her uterus and everything else, it's never been healthier than it is right now because I got rid of all that scarring. And so um, I think that we need to try like another, another IUI um, and then we'll come back and revisit in a few months. So that's what we did. We tried another IUI and it kind of gave us like that hope of we didn't think that we would have kids that had any of me and Brittany in them. And so we had this hope of like, okay, well, man, like they, we went through this crazy journey and man, we were, we were going to come out on the other side of this beautiful thing. And, um, we went in for the IUI and then we got the word again that it didn't work. And so just another, um, it felt like another slap where 
you get that little bit of hope back of, man, we took away that scarring and then it was just taken away again. And so Brittany and I, at this point, we've kind of just hit pause on everything. And we're just like, man, we just kind of need some time to just recover um, because it has just been a whirlwind um, through this whole process. Thank you, Drew, for being so transparent and sharing that. Whitney, I can't help but think we've got listeners right now as we share these stories, these heartfelt stories, as Drew, as Courtney, as uh, Anne, and you have both shared your stories that someone can relate, can relate to what you've shared. They're walking through grief and pain, and maybe they don't have the support group. Maybe they don't have someone around them to help them. Not that the grief is going to go away. But there's seasons of it. We've talked about some things that get a little better, but there's always that season. And even when time passes, it doesn't change. And, and even in the desperate cry to God to say, God, why can't I have a child? You know, why well, even that, that hasn't been met? What's going on? That, that pain of that walking through that. So that's what Made Known is about. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And it's a place for anyone who's experienced loss through miscarriage, stillborn, child loss, infant loss, infertility, and even abortion. It's a safe place for them to come and just realize that they're not alone in their grief, their journey, or the questions, like we've all said, the questions that we've asked God. Um, And just to realize there's a community around you that loves you and supports you and wants to point you to the truth um, and help you find some hope and some maybe just one step forward in that in that grief journey. Yeah. Okay, so the Made Known Conference will be on October the 26th from 9 a.m. until 12 p.m. It's a free event, right? Absolutely free. Okay. Yes. Kind of give us a rundown of what's going to take place. What can people expect when they come? To yeah. When they come, um, we're going to have a place where you can gather together with people who've experienced similar losses to you. Um, and so the room will be filled with people who are loving and caring and care about you. And like I said, it's for parents and for grandparents um, to come and just find that community. And there'll be um, just a couple of different testimonies and then a time for people to do what we just did, to sit at tables and share stories and hear one another's hearts and questions and realize they're not alone in those things that they've asked God or those things that they've struggled with or even the place they are right now. And then we're also going to do at the end um, just a special time of remembrance where they can, we have a a special thing planned where they can remember um, their child or they can even just write a prayer if they're struggling with infertility, a prayer to God, you know, or the loss of those, you know, things that they've hoped and dreamed for. And so it's just a time of remembrance really at the end. Yeah. talk about grief. We talk about pain. We talk about hurt. I mean, just deep hurt. What a better place to bring that pain, Miss Ann, than the church. There's hope the church can provide. It's all in Jesus, right? That's right. That's what May Known is about. It's not a church event. It's a community event for people who um, often the infertility, miscarriage, um, abortion, those are, it's like a silent loss it, you feel it deeply, but you don't know how to express it. Or maybe there's not a place to express it, to talk about it. And so because Made Known provides an opportunity, it's, it provides a place for people to come and be able to share that and find hope and healing. It may not happen instantly. Grief is a process. Yes. And we just want to meet people where they are in that process and help them take a step forward. Courtney, in your role as working in the nursery, is that right? You're kind of head of all the little babies, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that the scripture talks about when we have gone through things and Christ has comforted us and our hurt and our pain, in turn, we're able to use what we've experienced to help encourage others. 
Have you been able to use your pain of losing your little boy in that tragic accident to help encourage others? I've been connected to a few families that have lost children after I have. Um, and it's important just because they will ask questions like, is this normal? I thought about this. Is is that, does it make me crazy? And no, I had someone that I didn't know um, come in my life because she had gone through it six years ago. And so every little milestone that I've gone through with grief, because it's all different and it's crazy, it's a crazy journey. And I would say, is this normal? And she'd say, absolutely. And it just made me feel so much better to have someone that I knew went through it because not you can't understand it unless you've gone through it because it is such a deep pain. So to, for this event is to connect with people that do know your pain and so it's very important to, like, if anybody came up to me, of course I would do what I could to help them. Yes. This was 2016, I think you said. Is that right? 2011. 2011. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So we've got, uh, what, eight years have passed. Do you have any other children? I have two. Tell me about your kids yes. now. Um, I have a little boy. His name's Hudson, and he is six. And I have a little girl named Miller, and she's five. Six and five. Yes. So that keeps the May family pretty hopping, huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, what some of the things have you and Brittany find to be strength for you during this time? You talked about pulling away and kind of maybe pulling away from some of the procedures and the medical things and trying to just rest and pause for a second. But how are you finding strength through this? Um, I think that especially with when you talk infertility, there is this negative stigma attached to it this like feeling of like shame that's kind of attached to the word infertility and um obviously our hope is found in christ and uh knowing that god is sovereign in it um but when we have uh when we were just kind of carrying it together um just me and her trying not to talk about it it was um that burden is is heavy and when we got to a place where we allowed ourselves to bring it to the light and Brittany started sharing her story on social media and uh, with our small group and, and in all different kinds of places. And I shared it on a Sunday morning a little bit about it. Um, it's incredible to see the hands and feet of Jesus through the church and through whether it's other people who are going through it at the same time um, or who have been through it and now have adopted kids or now a miracle of birth has happened or um, or people that are just now uh, starting that journey where they're like, we found out a month ago yes. that we're start like we can't have kids. Yes. And it's me. Oh. And uh, man just seeing the the community of you know talking about being known of you can't you can't find healing and find that peace when you don't allow people to see the pain and so the the biggest step towards healing and peace that Brittany and I've had is being honest with each other being honest with our savior and being honest with the people around us because it's in those, in that honesty that we can find that true peace and that true healing. Yeah. And I think ultimately, Whitney, through Made Known, that's what you're hoping that people will at least start to experience 
some true healing and some true peace maybe that has been not in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And we just believe that this is an incredible opportunity, like Drew said, for people to come and just be open and be honest about where they are, who they are, the questions they have. And then, like you said, one step forward, you know, one glimpse of hope, one moment of peace and just allow the Lord to do that. What should listeners do that would like to participate again on this uh, October 26th made known free event at High Point Church? What should they do? Do they need to register for this? Yes, that would be great. And so you can go to highpointmemphis.com slash made known and register. Let us know that you're coming. And then um, that just helps us plan for numbers. And so, yeah, absolutely free. But we would love for them to register ahead of time. And that web address again is highpointmemphis.com slash made known. So highpointmemphis.com slash made known. The church needs to engage the brokenness of people. Be a place where people can come. And as Drew has said, be honest mm-hmm. of how you feel because there's people that we pass on Sunday morning sometimes. Y'all, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, fine. But inside, maybe they're still grieving deeply and have not been able to find any real peace or really any real comfort because of what they're dealing with, you know? And they don't even know how to say it. Some people are listening right now, they can't even verbalize. I mean, Drew has come a long way. Even to be able to verbalize what he's saying is pain. That's big, you know? It takes people a lot to get to that place. So maybe in a group setting like this, this could maybe be a start, right? Yes, I think it definitely could. I remember when Callie died, and I think most people would do the same thing, you want answers, you want an explanation, you want to know what happened, and you want to know how did God allow this to happen. And for me, I remember getting to a place where I had to stop asking questions. I had to accept there are no answers. We can get all the medical information we want, but that's not really going to satisfy the questions that we had. We had to get each one of us, I think, to a place where we just accepted it. And peace is really what you're what you're searching for. And answers aren't going to give that peace. Really Mm -hmm. just trusting and accepting it from Jesus is the way to have that peace. We just want answers. There aren't answers. We want answers for everything, right? Another part of it. And sometimes we don't have those answers right now. I really appreciate having this time together. Thank you so much for being so open, Courtney, for Drew and Whitney. And we want our friends to be encouraged. Please uh, consider Made Known, October 26, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at High Point Church, 6000 Briarcrest Avenue. You can register for this free event at highpointmemphis.com forward slash made known. So please go and check that uh, website out, register, tell a friend too about it, and uh, maybe you might want to come along with them if they would like that. We encourage you to participate. It's been great. Thanks, guys. Thank you for what each of you are doing for Christ's kingdom through the ministry of High Point Church. Thanks for sharing your heart today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Byron. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.